You're listening to East Ridge Review's Poetry Podcast with me, your host, A.R. Williams, editor of East Ridge Review. This program provides listeners with an opportunity to delve into the world of poetry, gaining insight into the creative process, inspiration, and themes explored by each featured poet. On today's podcast, I talk with Corey Cook. Corey is the author of seven poetry collections. His most recent is entitled Passing Cars and published by Maverick Duck Press. Before, he published two collections entitled The Weight of Shadows and Junk Drawer, and both were published by Finishing Line Press. Cora has had over 300 poems published in print and online magazines since 2004, and Corey works at a hospital and lives in East Thetford, Vermont, and is the editor of Red Eft Review. Corey and I both have had chat books come out around the same time, and so this was a great opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, Corey and how he came to become a poet, uh, a little bit about his, his background, a little bit about how he comes to write his process. I have him read one of his poems. He has me read one of mine. Uh, it's just a great conversation. So I uh, hope you enjoy this episode, and let's dive right into this episode with poet Corey Cook. Well, Corey, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to talk with you. You know, we've, as we as I mentioned before we hit record, you know, I've, I was first introduced to you, the, the magazine online magazine, you edit Red F Review. After I published with Red F Review, um, I, I saw that you published at the time a, a new a chapbook published, which was called Junk Drawer. So I picked it up and I realized, wow, I love his poetry. Not only do I enjoy being published by his magazine, but I really like his poetry. And so um, it's been fun to be able to keep up with your work and, and now finally have this, this for us, a face-to-face conversation virtually to talk more about your poetry. So it's good to have you on and uh, excited to really dive into this this episode. Me too. Thanks. Awesome. Well, let's let's start off with this. Um, can you tell can you tell us a little bit about how you got into poetry? Sure. Um, I always tell people that I sort of had to be uh, sort of I don't want to say coerced into it, <laughs> but um, as a kid growing up, I was always under the assumption that. Uh, people who like poetry was sort of too lofty for me. Like, I I don't really know where that came from. Um, You know, I come from a very working class family. Um, They certainly read, but there wasn't any poetry in our house. Um, And I, you know, we had sort of little introductions to poetry, I guess, in school. I mean, I can remember reading like Robert Frost poems and, and, like Langston Hughes poems in high school. Um, But I just sort of assumed that it sort of wasn't for me. Uh, But then, so actually when I was in college, I was writing a lot of short stories. uh, And it was one of my professors who, I basically took like an independent poetry, you know, workshop with her. And she introduced me to poets like Donald Hall 
Jane Kenyon, Mark Doty, uh, Maxine Cumin, um, really poets that I fell in love with. And that was really the introduction for me because uh, I really had been kind of uh, steering clear of it up until that point. That's that's really cool. I I think uh, similarly, very similar background. I remember in school being introduced to you know Robert Frost, of course, um, and some other uh, poets. But I don't think I ever had any kind of introduction to contemporary poetry. And so when I was introduced to poets that you know didn't use meter and rhyme, it was like, what is this stuff? Mm-hmm. And, um, but similarly, um, it's, it's, it's been a fun journey, um, to, to find poetry later when you didn't grow up with it and, and really treasure it. Yeah. Agreed. I really agree. Um, and just sort of, I don't know, the surprise, you know, like, okay, this thing that I thought was kind of too elusive, you know, I can, I can be part of it. I can be part of it. You know, that was that was kind of a really cool experience for me. Absolutely. Well, what what kind of poetry do you like writing? Like what inspires you? What kind of subjects do you typically are drawn to in your poetry? Um, well, when I first started writing, um, I, I really thought that I, it had to come from my life. Like everything that I, again, it was another sort of assumption of mine that it really, I I think that there, I feel like that's a difference between poetry and fiction is is that there's sort of the assumption that like poets write about their lives. When you're writing fiction, you're making up a story. I mean, you may, there may be influences from your life, but I feel like poetry, a lot of people just assume that everything you write, you know, you experienced or you saw or, or whatever. Um, so I sort of was under the assumption that that was, had to be true. So when I first started writing, it really came from my life. Everything came from my life, you know, the natural world around me. Um, and then at some point, you know, you realize that, that, well, you run out of things to write about (laughs) for one. (laughs) That's exactly right. It's exactly, no, no life is that interesting. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. You write out, you know, you run out of things to write about. And you also just realize that, you know, it can start from truth, but, you know, you can, you can change things up. You can, you know, take things away. You can add things. You can try to write something from somebody else's perspective. Um, So I definitely shift. There was a shift. Um, But I mean, for the most part, I think my theme, the theme, I definitely like darker, darker material. It's always what I'm drawn to. It's always what I've been drawn to. So I do like sort of exploring darker subjects. Um, and most, and still a lot of my poems that start from something that's true, even if they don't sort of, you know, hold, even if they're not really, you know, they don't stay true. It was inspired by something that I saw or heard or experienced. Yeah, that's great. You know, to kind of illustrate your point, I was actually with um, with some friends just last week for kind of a, a retreat, work retreat. Yeah. And uh, one of my friends, all of them, none of them read poetry. 
And, uh, you know, they were like, wait, why don't you read one of your poems? And so I read one of my recent ones that I wrote. And one of my friends was like, oh, my goodness, I had no idea that that happened to you. And I was like, well, about half of that is actually true of my life. And right. he was like, I feel robbed. How did, I thought this was really about you. But I do, I do think that's a very common assumption that, mm -hmm. you know, everything that, that poets write are very autobiographical. But like you say, that's not always the case. Um, right. To really make a poem alive, sometimes you really do have to begin to inhabit other perspectives um, or take a twist and a turn that you didn't even expect yourself. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. I can, I've <clears throat> been reading uh, Linda Paston recently, and I watched oh. one of her readings online. And she was saying that she read a poem. Somebody came up to her after the reading, you know, to sort of ask her about that experience, which she, which was not completely true. And they like got angry with her, <laughs> you know, so it's like, I've never had that happen. And I hope that yeah. doesn't. Yeah, but I think, yeah, there is something there that people just, they just think poetry really autobiographical. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It is. It is. Well, that's one of the things that seems like you too, is you write about family life, which I really resonate with as well, because um, oftentimes that's what starts a poem for me too. Something one of my daughters said, or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, something with my wife or, you know, whatever it may be. And um, I find myself that's sort of the springboard a lot of times. Um, can you talk a little bit about that for you as well? Well, I think that, you know, at this stage I have, I have, I have a wife and I have three children. It's like you sort of kind of use what's, you know, in front of you and around you, you know what I mean? And, you know, at this stage of my life, it's, it's, you know, family life is very much, you know, a part of it, you know, absolutely every day of the happenings every day, you know? So, so yeah, definitely. I definitely am inspired by my children and my wife, um, you know, good, good and bad. Um, mm -hmm. um, so yeah. In the last couple of years, my wife was battling breast cancer. So that's been like, that's been a, you know, a really recent theme. Um, absolutely. And she's cancer free, so that's that's great. That's um, wonderful. But it was a uh, was a hard road, you know. Yeah, I don't know if this is the case for you, but sometimes poetry can provide opportunities to kind of process some of those, you know, what you even said, kind of darker subjects. It seems for me, I don't know if this is the case for you and, and others, but sometimes it's it's a way to explore some of these these happenings in my life were these things that I'm really not consciously touching a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's one of the great benefits for myself and, and others, I think, and reading them is it seems to be, that's a, it's a way in. Yeah. 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 I think that for me, I've noticed that, I mean, I always hate to say that it's therapeutic, but, it seems like often I'm more willing to write about it before I am to sort of process, like internally process it or deal with it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that means, <laughs> but I don't know. There's something about, like I said, it's just easier for me to do that rather than sort of 
formally, you know, address it like in myself or therapy or whatever, you know, whatever that, that other thing is. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really helpful. Um, you know, what about your, what about your creative process? Um, do you have any specific rituals or routines or, um, or how do you, when you sit down to write, is it, is it just, you already have been thinking about certain things? What does that look like for you? Uh, this is another thing that's like changed over the years. Um, when I first started writing, I didn't have any kids and I was very sort of regimented about it. I like sat down most days to write and then, you know, life sort of evolves and changes and, Oh yes. You know, <laughs> so Oh yes. That's not, you know, that's not possible anymore. Um, so so sort of the routine now is that I, and it's been like this for quite a few years, is that I sort of just wait for the inspiration to come. And I sort of, I'm often working on, you know, it can be like two or three things sort of in my head. And then when I feel like something's ready, I'll put it down on paper and start revising it. Um, but sort of that's the routine now. And um and so, yeah, there's no sort of real, real structure. Um, and sort of the routine has been, I'll write two or three poems and then it'll be like nothing for months. I wish, I wish it were different, but I'm very envious of the people who just can sit down and go, okay, I have time to write. I'm going to write. I, I haven't, I don't know if I've, even when I was forcing myself to write, you know, I probably was wasting my time in many circumstances. <laughs> I've never been good about like right on demand, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I understand that. That's helpful. Do you, do you uh, write out longhand or do you type it up these days? What is it for you? I, I type as long, I think as long as I've been writing, I, I type. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, there have been times when I've carried around like a journal just to sort of scribble something down, but when it's time to write, I, I do type. Yeah. 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 That's, that's always interesting. I love hearing how different poets have their different ways of getting at it. Um, and yeah, I, I too, I mean, I, I feel like it's a little bit looked down upon by some, but um, because there's that sort of, uh, you know, way of, of thinking about a poet, they're s sitting, putting pen to paper or whatever, but I find today and uh, it's so much easier for me just to either type it in my notes or go down to my computer. And yeah, so I definitely yeah. can relate, relate with that. Um, yeah. so let's, let's talk a little bit about your, your latest chat book, um, which by the way, is a great, great chat book. I don't, I don't just say that I, I really have enjoyed it. Uh, so talk to us about your latest chat book. It's a very, it's a very short collection. Um, I wasn't even sure if it, it was sort of long enough, long enough, but um, I sort of get to a point where I sort of have enough, you know, sort of this collection that looks like it could be, you know, or a group of poems that could be a collection. Mm -hmm. So I was sort of getting to that point. Um, and uh, 
and you know then you sort of start kind of like looking for for publishers and i found maverick duck press read their guidelines and what i had you know pulled together was like at their max for their <laughs> for their yes because it's, it's so, 15 poems is that right 15 poems I, well i think they do it actually by like page number um, oh, okay okay yeah so i was like i guess i guess this was this was meant to be <laughs> yeah um but yeah there's 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 poems about my wife's battle with cancer um some poems about my relationship with my brother. Um, so there's definitely, it definitely sort of felt like a, you know, a cohesive unit. And like I said, just finding them and finding, finding Maverick Duck Press and finding out that, you know, sort of just fit their guidelines. I was like, okay, I'm going to give, give this a shot. Yeah. It, well, it, it does read like a cohesive whole. I mean, I think that, um, I think also the way you've organized it is a good read. Um, did it, when you're organizing a chapbook, does it is it easy for you? Do you battle through a, a, a particular type of progression? Is it is it difficult? How do you begin to think about that? Because that's that's something with my own chapbook. I really mm -hmm. I had to get some some other people to speak into it um, because yeah. maybe I just don't have that that sense of how things are um, supposed to be laid out. But what about for you? I think it actually has depended on like, you know, the book. Um, mm. A couple of them have been really easy. And I think passing cars was probably one of the easier ones. Not that it's super easy. Um, but I think junk drawer was one of the harder ones. Mm. Um, because you know, in that collection, there are like five junk drawer poems, which I sort of wrote specifically for that for the book, and which I wasn't even sure if that idea was gonna fly. I'm not even sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if it did, but but uh, um, but just I think I'd put as far as junk drawer goes, I had put that collection together, and, and there may have been one or two poems, but I ended up writing more. And then really like shuffling, you know, shuffling things around. Um, so that definitely was like a, that one was a harder one. Uh, but this latest one I think was pretty easy. Um, I basically just sort of pull, you know, poems together that I think sort of have the same themes or share some of the same themes or um, just sort of seem to gel in some way. And then I, I mean, I don't know how you do it, but like I print everything out, I lay it all over the floor and I start, <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. Rear rearranging things and, and seeing how that changes the flow and, and, you know, trying to put, pick a good poem to like end up, you know, to start on and end on. And so yeah, it's a lot absolutely. of like pages on the floor and, and shuffling around. Absolutely. Yeah. That's. Yeah, it does seem, you know, like you really do have to have that beginning poem and end poem to as the bookends to really yeah. those are some of the most important. I remember um hearing one poet, I was at a workshop and they were saying how 
it's like you guys always have to front load your best poems at first and then mm-hmm. but you also have to think about the ending and um i do think what you said passing cars it does read cohesively and um and i have i really did enjoy the collection and in fact i would i'd love to to have you read one of your poems if that's okay yeah sounds good so i was particularly struck by a stretch of 90 degree weather or waiting for our luck to turn would you mind mm-hmm. to read that poem for us sure sure stretch of 90 degree weather or waiting for our luck to turn a passing car enshrouds the house in a cloud of dust makes me briefly forget about the parched lawn that crunches under our feet the perennials that languish in the weed-choked garden Even my napping wife, who sleeps fitfully under the spinning blades of a ceiling fan upstairs, ice packs on her incisions. I sit at my window, favorite window and watch the sediment from the road dissipate, mop sweat from my temples with a handkerchief. Notice an abandoned web in a corner of the porch, its gruesome contents. And my thoughts turn to the scientist in his white lab coat, the all-seeing microscope, the tumor her surgeon compared to spilled milk, a wave of cancerous cells. Love that. Thanks. I love that. There's a couple poems in this collection that speak about your wife's cancer. And particularly this one I felt like was was constructed so well because you have that end that just it's like you mentioned that there's something going on and then at the very end you kind of have this 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 wonderful image and this terrible conclusion at the same time it's a it's a good terrible conclusion um right can you talk a little bit about as you were writing this can you take us take us back to to that moment yeah this is I mean, I don't know if this is the same is true for you, but, you know, as with the collections, there are also poems that come easy <laughs> and other poems that are hard, you Absolutely. know, uh, this poem was in the hard category. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was longer. And I think in an earlier, in an early draft, I had mentioned, you know, cancer or at least alluded to it. And then I was like, I don't want to do, you know, as you're revising, I was like, I don't want to reveal that yet. You know, you know, you know, I want to, I want them to know, I want them to know that something's happening, but I don't want, you know, I don't want them to know till the end. So I sort of had to kind of clean that up. And I really, really struggled with the ending on that, on this book. (laughs) It's often where I really struggle. um, Because... Yeah, I just it didn't ever sort of have like the, you know, I mean, I always say when I talk about about endings, I sort of make the comparison to gymnastics and sticking the landing, you know, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> That's a good always, comparison. I always, you know, want to stick the landing. And I, I really, really struggled with the ending until I came up with that. And I was pretty happy with it. Um but it is funny because even sometimes years after I've written a poem and I thought I had the ending, I'll change, you know, I'll change it again. But yeah, as of right yeah. now, I'm happy with it. Um, but uh, 
but yeah, it was, it was difficult to, to get there. Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't tell um, in terms of reading it. It's, it seems to flow so well. And the ending I think is, I think the ending is perfect. Um, one thing that I, what I, th one thing that I love about the poem too, is strangely enough that the title, it's a very long title and um, it has this kind of this title or this title. Um, mm -hmm. Before I say kind of what I love about it, what, what are the, what, what made you name, what led you to, to kind of name this poem, what you did? <laughs> well, I mean, so when, when I wrote that or around the time I wrote that we, it was really, really hot in Vermont. It was not this past summer, but the summer before it was really hot and dry, like, you know, which we're not, we're not, we're not used to. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, yeah, so that definitely was an inspiration. And, um, you know, my wife had gotten sort of pat, past the worst part of her, of her battle with cancer, but was still sort of, sort of dealing with the kind of repercussions of it. So, you know, we just, I can just remember that summer, like ignoring the garden and it's overrun with weeds and we have like these bushes like growing up in front of the house. So it's almost kind of like the shadow, like, you know, casting on the house. It was just, life wasn't really good. We were just, we were just surviving, you know? Yeah. So that, as far as like the luck turning, that was part of it. We were sort of, you know, not completely, but she was in no shape to sort of be out and enjoying life. So we're kind of housebound to a certain degree and mm -hmm. sort of dealing with this really tough thing, you know? Um, so yeah, that's where that title came from. That's, that's good. That's, that's, that's really good. I, one thing I love about the, the title is there's, there's this sense in which that actually, if you would just take an either title by itself, they would worked, but there's something about this, this even trying to grapple with what do I even call this sort mm -hmm. of helps darken the poem of what is this season that I'm in right now? Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's actually really insightful and not something I had really thought about, you know, it certainly was a time of uncertainty. So I think your statements are true, you know, like that, that totally makes sense. It's not something I did consciously, but. Well, and I also love the fact that um, you, you sketch out this scene that it's just like you kind of said, just showcases the season that you're in. I, I, my wife, um, she are we have a one-year-old and uh, mm -hmm. our third sort of our our wonderful surprise and um but she my wife has uh something called hyperemesis gravidarum and so she and so she mm -hmm. was hospitalized a couple times it was a horrible season and i remember this is one of the things that grabbed me about this poem is just how it even kind of coalesced with the season in my life where um that my wife was sick as well in a very different way but my yard was just so overgrown. My bushes were dying and it was just a, it was a perfect picture of, of our house and what was happening internally. And even internally in me, the, right. the dying parts. And I think you do that so well in this poem. Thank you. 
I'm jumping around a little bit, but I would love to hear like how you got into poetry. Yes, absolutely. Well, similarly, um, you know, one of the things that similarly like you, I, I, I didn't grow up reading poetry. Um, I always loved art. You know, I, when I was, when I was a child, I loved painting and writing. I actually don't think I was very good at it, but I love doing it. And that's what I wanted to, to do. I wanted to be an artist. Um, mm -hmm. And then, but it wasn't until I, I was kind of in, I was doing a lot of academic work, um, non-poetry, um, just in the humanities and doing a lot of academic writing where I enjoyed writing, but I got so burnt out on academic writing. I want to do something different and write mm -hmm. something different. And I kind of always wanted to creatively write. So that's kind of why I began to explore just short stories and um, found flash fiction and started reading poetry. And poetry is what really grabbed me. Mm -hmm. Also finding the right kind of poets. Um, you named a few like, you know, Jane Kenyon is my favorite poet. Um, you one of mine too. Yes. William, <laughs> Sta William Stafford, um, James Wright. Um, you know, some of these, some of these poets were just really grabbed me and helped me fall in love with poetry. And, um, again, this was, this was after I'd been married. This is after, you know, I had my first two kids and, um, yeah, it was just, it was a nice surprise. I didn't actually go really looking to have a new a really new hobby. I just was interested in reading and maybe trying to stab at writing different things. And, and, and now here I am. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I'd love to hear you read the orchard. If you're, if you're up to it, I would love that. I would love that. Let me just say first too, like it's, it was such a privilege having you endorse my, my chat book, my first chat book, funeral in the wild. And, um, it was special too, to have, um, some of the poems published um, at your outlet in in this. And in fact, the first poem that I published with Red After View is The Orchard. So I would be glad, very happy to read it. The Orchard. The dainty hand plucks a gala apple. Under the tree, I open the bag. Space for one more. Walking back, the cicada chorus whirs like a biker revving her engine before speeding off. Summer is nearly over. Fall is imminent. And yet, the heat continues to linger. As daylight fades, we stop, plant ourselves, and eat an apple together as dusk turns to darkness. I love that one. Well, thank you. I love I love the line "plant ourselves." That that that's always stood out to me about that poem. Mm. Yeah, this it's it's a it's a poem that <laughs> kind of like you was was inspired by um, my life. I remember this is when well, I live in Virginia now, but this is when I lived in Pennsylvania a couple years ago, and my my wife on our on our Saturday wanted to drag us and our family to go to an orchard. Mm -hmm. And I had a really long work week. I was really tired. Um, and I frankly did not want to go, mm -hmm. but I had such a wonderful time with my family 
and my kids. And I remember towards the end of the day, we went late afternoon planting ourselves after walking all throughout the orchards and mm-hmm. that, that kind of, that, that line just came to me. Um, yeah. And it's fun how that does it. Like you said, some, some are hard to write. Some are easy to write. Like some of, some of the, some of the poems I'm most proud of have been the ones that I've had to wrestle uh, kind of mm-hmm. like what you talked about. This one actually, to my surprise, was a, a pretty easy one. It just kind of came to me. Um, yeah. When I sat down to write, um, but most of them are not that way. So that's that's it makes it pretty special in that way. Yeah. I always call those gifts. Yes. Those are the gifts. <laughs> those are the gifts. They are very much the gifts. Yeah. Very much the gifts. <laughs> well, Corey, this has been so fun. Um, I've I've loved to love to talk about poetry more. Before I before I ask you a little bit about where we can continue to 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 buy your latest chapbook and and keep up with your work, I would love to hear. You've named a few of your influences, but um, can you talk a little bit more about some of if if people are looking to to learn more about your poetry? What are some of those other poets that uh, people may be familiar with? that if they like these people's poetry, they might find some resonance with yours. What are some of those other influences? Um, well, I mean, of course, you know, I, I like a lot of like the fame, like the famous poets, but it's, it's funny, you know, I, there's so many, I call them like the small press poets, Mm. um, you know, people like you and me, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I read, that's probably, you know, mostly what I read these days. I mean, I do, I mean, I yeah. am reading stuff, but it's, it's the poets in Red F Review, uh, yeah. you know, um, before Red F Review, I, my wife and I edited the Orange Room Review and that's, we were just introduced to so many, po- so many great poets Yeah. who, who aren't nationally known, you know, necessarily, but, um, but they're just great. So, so definitely, you know, you and, you know, so many other writers and read after you, I, I'm loving, you know, reading your work and their work. Um, <clears throat> but if we want to talk about, you know, like, uh, you know, like the bigger names I had meant mentioned Donald Hall and Jane Kenyon, they are both hero, like heroes of mine. Yeah. I just, yeah. They lived not too far from where I am, um, and I lived cl- even closer to where they were when I was in New Hampshire. Mm. Um, but I just love the, the idea of those two great poets living in the same house in their separate offices, writing their great poems. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, um, so I, I, I love them, and I've been—I have been obsessed with Linda Past, and I mentioned her. Mm-hmm. I've been reading a lot of her stuff. Um. And I mentioned Maxine Cuman. I love her. Um, those Mark Doty, um, Mary Oliver. You know, these are all names that you know people who read poetry know, really. But absolutely, um, I feel like Mary Oliver's like I don't know. She seems like we're like the rock star to me because everybody yes. seems to know her, and she seems to be everybody's favorite. So. Yeah, she's she's a tremendous poet. I mean, she yeah. she really is. But like you said, I am I am surprised at how many incredible poets there are 
that just have very to little no following. And I've just been, and that's one of the riches about, you know, running an online outlet um, is you, you, you find poets who, um, you know, are just like us. We just have normal lives and working normal jobs and running our, and writing our free time. And and some, I've just been blown away at some of the incredible uh, poets and poems that I've read as a result of just being online. It's, it really is incredible. And, and many of them you publish on Red After Review. And Mm -hmm. so I'd really encourage um, if you're listening to this podcast to go check out um, Red After Review and also check out Corey's uh, latest chapbook, Passing Cars. Um, I really do mean this. I, I bought it. It's a great, great chapbook and I'd highly encourage uh, you to buy it. Is, is the best way to buy it, Corey, on um, Maverick Duck Press and their website? Yes, that's really the best way. Yep. Perfect. Well, Corey, how else can we keep up with you and your work? Um, <clears throat> I'm actually, I don't really have much of a social media presence. Well, you're probably um, happier so... than most of us. <laughs> so I would say going to the Red F site is probably your best bet. Um, and it, and I know that you can find some of my other work if you do like a sort of a ge- general search online. Some you mm-hmm. know stuff definitely come up. But yeah, I don't have like a Facebook page dedicated to my writing or Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. So yeah. Well, definitely, uh, if you're listening to this, definitely check Corey's work out. And uh, Corey, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for coming and talking. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Thanks so much for listening to Eastridge Review's Poetry Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Eastridge Review, check out our website at eastridgereview.com. Make sure and pick up a copy of Passing Cars, published by maverick duck press and if you'd like to pick up a copy of my latest chapbook a funeral in the wild that is available from amazon and kelsey books thanks so much for listening and look forward to our next episode